You're listening to Consolidate That. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Consolidate That. Ryan, welcome. How are you today? I'm great. Had a wonderful holiday, and I'm I'm glad we're getting back together. Yeah, likewise. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, the other day when we were chatting, you mentioned strategic filter. I'd love to learn a little bit more about that from you. So if you remind me, we talked about strategic filter in the context of acceleration of the M&A process. Is that correct? Right, right. Yeah, we were talking about how to automate your your M&A and, and the sales process and how I looked at it as a sales process. And um, you threw in the, the nugget of the strategic filter to, to keep me learning and guessing. So I wanted to, to hear a little bit more from you about that. All right. So the strategic filter, actually, if you want to refer to our framework, you can open it on our vetintegrations.com up top and find a framework. You'll see a big gray button in front of the whole value creation stream that says strategic filter. So there are two, I think, ways to talk about filters at the beginning and then at the beginning of the maturity of the organization, and then they can somewhat merge. But the first part is, and, and what every organization needs to learn from the very beginning is what they should do and more importantly, what they shouldn't do. I think it was Steve Jobs that said that it was the most important things that we learn is to say no. And that's that's what every organization bumps into, especially consolidators. When you start seeing you know, all the shiny objects and all the software products and all the things that can improve the productivity, efficiency, the life of the veterinarians, and then you, know, you become really scattered. So the strategic filter is really important for the clinics that you buy. And then also for the initiatives that you take into consideration. Yeah, I think it's funny. It, it reminds me, I think, I don't know if we did it on the podcast, but I remember we were talking about going to, to trade shows and conferences. And I think you and Bill maybe called me a, a shiny little thing when I would stand at my, my trade show booths, <laughs> making sure that people could learn more about different software and everything. And yeah, it's, it's definitely a big, a big thing that can distract people, especially if you're coming into... You know, we're talking about the veterinary space, especially if you're new to that. And there's a lot of things that you know and don't know. And there's softwares and tools and, and puzzle pieces that can make a lot of sense for that. But so can you give me, I don't know, like a, maybe a couple examples just to wrap my mind around how a strategic filter would be in place or maybe just how companies and consolidators would look at strategic filters? So when we talk about the filters, it's it's mainly what is going into the system. You know, if you think about any any filter, I think it's when my wife talks about me having a filter, it's mainly what's coming out of my mouth. But but in this case, is what's going into the system. We have so, that in common, I think. <laughs> I told my, I've told my filter's broken sometimes, so I'm glad. I uh, usually say that, that I have one, but it's very coarse, so big chunks get through it. <laughs> so so the, the one thing that is super important is when you identify your sort of product market fit as a consolidator, when you start buying the clinics, identify what clinics you want to buy, because essentially, especially if your business development team is compensated on the you know, EBITDA or their metrics associated, their KPIs or compensation associated with the number of clinics that they bought, sometimes it happens that they will buy anything. And you have to be very targeted on what kind of clinics you buy. And you kind of discover it with the time, but let's say you landed on, we're buying you know two to three doctors with revenue 
over one and a half million and EBITDA at least 15%. Maybe that's that would be an example of a filter for the clinics that are coming into the system. It's very important. That's why I mentioned it in the M&A automation is because if you're automating it through some sort of CRM, you can set the uh, properties inside of your CRM that have to be checked and they're required. So your business development team has to fit them into certain criteria so you don't spend all the time nurturing the clinic that doesn't fit that criteria and then it gets to the point where uh, there's a decision to buy or not to buy and it turns out it doesn't fit. The second example that I want to give you is is different. It's about the initiatives that you start in your organization. As a consolidator, you're starting so many things at the same time in multiple departments. The teams are growing, they're expanding vertically. And then in all of these new divisions, departments, you want to develop new processes, new initiatives. And then you really need to understand what initiatives fit in your strategy and what initiatives don't fit in your strategy. So aside from creating a strategy, which is super important, then that strategy needs to lower the entire organization in a form of filter so you know what you do and what you don't do. So I'm glad you said that because, you know, I was going to ask you the difference of strategy and strategic filter. I've been playing a lot of chess after watching The Queen's Gambit on Netflix, and I have not gotten better at my strategy. <laughs> but maybe my maybe I need to have a better strategic filter of who I'm willing to to give up there. So that's that's really helpful to to look at the difference between those two there. So as we talk about, I know we're always referencing our consolidated maturity model. And this, you know, at the beginning of this, you talked about our uh, framework that, that people can find on the website. Is there a specific level of maturity where this needs to come into play, where your strategic filters need to be introduced? Yeah, well, it really depends on, again, this specifically why I mentioned two filters. So, so the first filter about what kind of clinics we buy, um, that, that usually develops sort of in your level one maturity. And that level is really where you start defining your product market fit, and we call it inception level. And the reason why you need it there, well, you start to develop it there and you kind of, you know, you hone on it and understand what you're buying. Because, for example, we decided to buy small animal practices. We have someone in operations that really understands the processes, how to optimize efficiency, and then business development comes in and mixed animal practice with equine component. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the EBITDA might be attractive. The the size of the practice may fit our filter, but it is, you know, it is not within the scope and nobody will know in your organization how to change things in it. Or maybe it's a practice, small animal, it's not mixed, but it has a, a boarding facility for like 150 dogs. Does anybody know how to manage that? And that, you know, that shows like they have a healthy revenue and a healthy margin, but does anybody know how to manage that? So that's why it's really important on the level one, which is inception. So when you're talking about that, should your filter, I mean, you made a good example of it being coarse or fine. In that situation, should people be looking at making their filter finer to be able to reduce and have a better strategy of what they're looking at there? Or is it maybe, okay, it's more coarse. Maybe we're not hitting the metrics that we're looking for. Is that sort of the, the spot there where they should be looking at where that, that comes together? So it kind of grows. And that's why I mentioned there's two maturity levels where you focus on the filter. The 
second one is when you start developing your processes. So you went to your investors and you want, went to the clinics that you're buying and you said, we're great at improving marketing. We're going to improve talent acquisition and we know how to do inventory management because we're coming from this retail space and we just have a you know, kick-ass formula how to do that. So when you're buying your practices with the filter inserted, you know, at the first level of maturity, and this is your, you know, two to three doctors, one and a half million and the 15 percent EBITDA, then you better look for practices that will fit your strategy with marketing, talent acquisition, and inventory management. So if I know how to do those three things, I should be buying practices that are lacking or there's an opportunity in them to improve marketing. You look at their website, there's certain things that you can do actually pre-acquisition, like research their website, their social media presence, and you know that you can lift a couple of points by just improving those. And then from inventory management, we know that you can improve from one to four points if you do it right off the bottom bottom line, if you implement a certain process. So it is wonderful if you can do a pre-acquisition assessment and understand if this practice does have that opportunity. So as the organization matures at a level two and three, which we refer to as the process development and the value creation tools development, then Mm -hmm. you you can really hone on your filter and it will become refined and not as coarse as as i have (laughs) (laughs) okay so bring things in improve the way that the business is running and as you improve your business you're improving your filter so i guess that's i think of when i set goals for myself personally and professionally it makes me wonder right are they permanent can you change them what does that cycle look like i mean you know are you stuck with them are these your core values is this you know, we just had a great meeting within VIS about our core values and how our team grows. Are those your strategic filters or is it something that does change and, and adapt as the business grows? That's a great question because the core values is probably a little different. I mean, that's something that you form as an organization, believe in and hire, fire and review your people uh, using that sort of moral uh, and cultural filter. And mm-hmm. they're not, you know, good or bad. They're basically do you fit or not fit into the organization and what are your beliefs? But the the strategic filter is really something that allows your entire organization to be laser focused on the things that you promise your investors and the clinics that you bought. And then it should be pretty rigid. But then as you evolve, you may hire, let's say you hired a new COO or the first COO, and he or she comes with a great competency in let's say the inventory management wasn't one of your competencies and all of a sudden you're hiring someone who has that particular competency. Maybe a filter now includes those clinics that have that opportunity to improve. So you may change it, but the more you change it, the further your your strategy will be misaligned. And because as the organization grows, you also need to inform everybody. There has to be a rapid communication in changes like that. And sometimes it just doesn't penetrate through the organization. So if you formed your filter, you started in in level one in two three you honed on it with the processes that you've developed to improve in these clinics you should probably stay in the level three and four which is quantitatively measured until you get to level five which we call continuous improvement that's when you maybe will see okay every value creation plan item that we targeted 
marketing, talent acquisition, and inventory management, we now improved. We have the processes and clinics that we buy. They're going methodically through this process, and we know that they add five points to bottom line. Now, what's next? So that's the level five where you're in continuous improvement mode. You say, okay, we need to discover something new. And then you add additional item after certain testing and putting it through the proof of concept. And you can add that to your sort of portfolio as the part of strategic filter. Cool. Yeah. So your your continuous improvement is not just adding new things, but it could be refining the way that you're that you are adding the existing things or the way that you're implementing them and things like that. So you mentioned rigidity, and I know as we talk, just even internally, how rigid are people on these filters? Is this a live and die by thing? Is this something that people are doing well? Is this something that people could maybe get a little bit better at? You know, where where do you think that fits? Well, you know, I always try to, you know, preach what I do and we walk the walk. And what we do internally, we use an additional instrument to the filter. So, so I'm pretty sneaky. And if I really want to do something this quarter, I'll push it through regardless of how, you know, how you or anybody else will resist. I'll make it good case. to know. Yeah, I'll make a case. I'll say that, hey, guys, we're implementing this new software because it will help our filter and I'll make a nice story around it. And that happens a lot because someone, let's say the CEO sees a real vision in it and someone convinced the CEO and it'll be really hard to say no. But what becomes an additional instrument to that is a very well-defined prioritization. What you can do, okay, so now we took all of these things that are through strategic filter and, you know, another five questionable, then we should really define what is more important and how do we going to prioritize it. So that's another sort of additional instrument that helps if people are not too rigid with the with a strategic filter and they end up with, you know, 15 goals or or even worse, 150 goals, which happens, then the prioritization is the key and that second instrument that you can use in there. The way that you're talking about pushing through something just because the CEO is passionate about it, right? It it does make me think a lot a bit about WeWork. I think that's a perfect example, perhaps, of not having the, the strategic filter there. There was a great podcast. Obviously, Consolidate That is the best podcast to listen to. But if you want to listen to another one instead of us on repeat, there was a great one called We Crashed, which discussed the rise and fall of WeWork. And I think that strategic filter probably would have been something that would have been very helpful for them to go from being a fantastic idea of co-working to becoming a health and wellness brand and a lifestyle brand. And um, where you look at Uber with their flying taxis that they wanted to introduce and how they've just recently sold off that portion and some of their autonomous vehicle stuff. So yeah, so it can't just be the CEO, right? So who who else should decide on the order? Who else can be involved in that process? This is the reason why you want the proper instrument for the prioritization. Whichever method you use, and there's multiple, there's, you know, there's risk spider graphs for your organization. There is weighted shoulders job first, which I prefer, but it is the instrument where let's say executives decided what they want to put through into this quarter, for example, for the quarterly planning. And these are the initiatives that we're starting. But then a part of the change management that starts from the top of the organization is to introduce in your quarterly planning everybody to what you're starting to doing and then prioritize it all together. That exercise shouldn't be done by the person who pushed stuff through the filter. 
that creates sort of checks and balances. If you're using traction methodology, this is where the visionary is usually the one that is pushing things through the filter. And then the integrator is the one that should say, all right, well, now the whole leadership team needs to sit down and prioritize these things. And the reason why I like weighted shortest job first, it comes from safe methodology. It's scaled agile. And then what it does, it takes your cost of delay, basically, how much would it cost if we don't do this thing right now? And it divides by the duration, how long it would take us to implement this initiative. And there's various ways that you can flex this tool, but and the cost of delay is calculated by adding business value. So you need altogether decide what is the business value of this initiative. And then you put the time criticality, how urgent it is compared to other things. And you may say, you know, this is super urgent, but when you have 15 things that are super urgent, then you can start honing on it and say, okay, well, maybe this one is a little less. So you just go with like, zero to 10, and you just add those numbers together and you all together look at it. So then you assess the business value, the time criticality, and what is the opportunity for the business? Those are all the components for the cost of delay. And then you divide it by duration because then, well, this is super critical, really valuable, and a great opportunity. It will take us six years to implement. Well, it's like farming lobster. It's, you know, it's like, it's a great <laughs> idea. They cost a lot, but they grow really slow. So therefore, it's better to farm salmon. Hold on. Is farming lobster a, a common example that people give for things? It's a new one for me. No, I came up with it from the agriculture and the vet school. If you compare the two, the, the salmon is like a two-year cycle. Lobster grows for like 12 years to get, to get big. So you don't farm lobster. Nobody does that. There's just a fishing quota. So, so I'm going to okay. coin that term. So Farming lobster. All right. That's, uh, that's a new one for me. So thank you. <laughs> so yeah, so this periodization will really help you to then with things that were poorly filtered to prioritize them and maybe deprioritize those that weren't really filtered at the beginning. Okay. Okay. So the big thing that the people should be looking at, right? You know, we talked about the way to shortest job first. We talked about how to prioritize those things. I know you you have that that big saying that you always are sending to me, the stop starting and start finishing, which which I enjoyed from last time where you mentioned it to <laughs> me. And that's, you know, that's common, right? Starting a new task, starting the the things that you love and the exciting things at the beginning of each quarterly planning. But how do you look at that? How do you keep starting things, but making sure that you actually are finishing them as well? It's a three-prong approach. There's a third tool. So one is strategic filter. Two is the prioritization. And then the third one, which is super important, is to put the work in progress limit in your organization. It also comes from lean methodology in the Kanban and Toyota and all of those, but super important. If I'm one person and I have, you know, seven initiatives on me and they're prioritized one to three, you know, through seven, but then the CEO goes, all right, here's your seven things, start tomorrow. So what is very important is work in progress limit. And if you don't know what your work in progress limit, start with one. You take one initiative, you start it, and you finish it. That's where the saying comes from. Stop starting and start finishing. Because if you will start seven at the same time, you'll never finish all the seven. Then you arrive to the end of the quarter, and all of them are in progress. So three-prong approach is you filter the initiatives, and only those that are aligning with your strategy will come in. Then you prioritize them. And then when they're prioritized, you take one at a time. 
into the progress. And then when you finished it, then you take the next one. And you should put certain policies in place when you start something, present it to the entire team on your level. So let's say it's leadership. I'm starting to do marketing initiative or improving websites of every hospital that comes into our pipeline. And then I will show the vendor that I chose and just kind of go through it. And then when I'm done, I'm doing a presentation to the same team. That's super important because that really creates accountability. It's not just like, hey, I started this, finished it. There's no really definition of done, definition of ready. I just kind of still finishing a couple of things here. So, so that's sort of what you want to do. And that work in progress limit is super important. Gotcha. So an example, I guess, from my side of the world, right, from the sales side of things is it's really straightforward and, and easy to be able to say, you know, add add 50 people to the sales team, make this sales team really full and really uh, add an entire floor of salespeople and we can do an entire thing and we can make a, a hundred things great, but without having a marketing team, right? That can put those leads in for you and get the, the traction that you need from that. And then also being able to actually implement and put together the deals that you've sold. You're probably not getting in the right prioritization, right? You you can only, you want to make sure that you have all of the teams that are there and in place to be able to allow your, your sales team to be able to thrive, which I guess, you know, if you think of your front desk or your, even your veterinarians, the, the work that they can do needs to be able to be supported by all of the other departments. You can't, you can't just push a thousand new clinic clients into a clinic if you only have two veterinarians working in there. So that prioritization is going to allow you to to look at that strategic filter and make sure that you have the right teams in place too. Yeah, and but there is an additional practice that you should have in place, and that really comes with the proper quarterly planning. So if we're saying, okay, so before the next year or before the next quarter, we plan these things and they fit up with our strategy, with our filter. Then we say, okay, well, there's, you know, there's 15 things, but we need to prioritize them. So we prioritize them and then we give owners to executors. So we, we assigned executors on each initiative. And then each person, let's say there was 15 initiatives and we have, you know, five in finance, five in marketing, five in operations. And then they're prioritized with a whip limit of one to go through. But let's say my initiative number one in my business development is to generate, you know, 15 clinics in the first quarter. And if I'll jump into that, but my operations are not ready to accept that, that means that there is, and the keyword is dependency. So you have a task that has dependency on another department. And if you did not plan that well, then everything will collapse because you will bring 15 leads, they're going to stale, and then basically they're going to go away. So the purpose of the quarterly planning, at least this is how we do it, and, and we try to recommend that, is that once you created your goals, once you put them through filter, prioritized, assigned people, uh, assign the work in progress limit, you do a quarterly planning not to plan, but to share the dependencies. And that's where your marketing team talks to sales team, talks to operations, and everybody in the one quarterly planning, the entire company, they get together. And we, we actually simulated that through Zoom, which works phenomenal. And then mm -hmm. everybody is just sharing. You've been present with our- Yeah, uh, yeah it was planning. very different than any other ones I've done. So I know- yeah. Yeah, I think you're that's right. we're going to have a, uh, an episode. We definitely need to do an episode on on this style of quarterly planning because it was very different. Yeah. Nobody's monologuing. Everyone's dialoguing, which yeah. is really nice to see. 
So that's a cool idea. Let's do that next time. So let's talk about everybody probably has their quarterly plans right now, but maybe this will sort of be a little bit of a, you know, a first uh, idea of how they can plan their next quarter, especially if they get to the end of this quarter and they're not hitting on their targets. This is a cool way to do it. You pre-plan, assign the goals, filter, and then the quarterly planning is really aligning between the departments and uh, setting the dependencies and discussing them. So let's talk about quarterly planning next. I hope awesome. I answered all your questions. You did. You did. I've got a lot to dive into and learn and read, but very helpful and, and looking forward to our next conversation. Awesome. Well, thanks for asking all these cool questions. All right. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to Consolidate That. If you want to hear our new episodes, please find us on any podcast platform. Also, you can learn more about us on our website at vetintegrations.com.